Welcome back again to BadQuaker.com podcast. This is episode 68. My name is Ben. I'm Kai. Um, and it's Wednesday, December 21st. Is that right? Yeah. December 21st, 2011. Let's see. What does that mean? What kind of a date would that be? Oh, I don't know. Happy Saturnella! Oh, no! <laughs> no, someone throws something. Oh, the pagans are scaring me. I, I'm not a pagan. I'm they're, not. they're outside trying to burn a log. Oh, no. <laughs> what, what's going on? They're trying to celebrate the return of the sun god. Ah! Um, so um, so I, I, I would like to point out, despite what the government propaganda scientists will tell you, this is not the first day of winter. They <laughs> lie. This is the middle of winter. It is midwinter. It is the height of winter. Mm-hmm. We are halfway through winter, people. <laughs> winter does not start today. In, uh, in areas, I like to look at it like this, <clears throat> in areas where you don't have weird cloud cover like we do here in Ohio. Um, like, for instance, where we used to be out in the desert in California, the peak hot part of the day did not happen at noon. Mm-hmm. The peak hot part of the day happened about 2 or 3 o'clock when all that radioactive, radio, all the heat from the sun finally built up to the point of where the the ground and the air and everything was at its hottest. So so even though noonday was when the sun was directly overhead, more or less, according to where you're at, the heat of the day didn't really hit its peak until 2 or 3 o'clock. The same way at night... The desert would hold a certain amount of heat, and so the coldest part of the night was not midnight. The coldest part of the night was in the moments right before sunrise. Mm-hmm. That was the coldest part of of the night, and the same way with winter. Uh, today is not the 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 first of winter. Um, that's silly. Mm-hmm. Today is the middle of winter. It's not the coldest of winter, right? Because you know we 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 still have a lot of winter to go. So that cold air continues getting colder and colder, and more of it falls down from from the Arctic, you know, because we don't have Thor <laughs> holding off the ice giants. We don't have Loki running around doing his Loki thing, and we don't have Odin battling. For <laughs> no one's attacking the frost giants, people. This is why climate change is happening. You think it has to do with emissions from cars? No. It's a silly superstition. It's silly. Boy. Clearly, it's because nobody is getting <laughs> Odin to, to attack the frost giants. Either that or Osiris is just going nuts, and that's why we have global warming. Well, there you go. Um, I, I did want to mention this, though. Uh, Gary Busey, <laughs> we, we... an update to last week's <laughs> Gary Busey update. <laughs> last week, we mentioned that Gary Busey had endorsed Newt Gingrich. Well, evidently, someone told Gary Busey that he had endorsed Newt Gingrich, <laughs> and then he's like, what? Me? Oh. Turns out he was talking about his pet Newt. He keeps in an aquarium. <laughs> And he calls the aquarium Gingrich for some reason. Right. That, that we haven't quite figured out. <laughs> Most people call it, that an aquarium, but he calls it a Gingrich. So, a little confusion on the Gary Busey update. But but as Gary Busey changed his mind again, 
We'll keep you updated, because who knows, tomorrow he may be endorsing Wendell Wilkie. <laughs> Although that's unlikely. And that was the latest update from Busey Watch. <laughs> oh, my. Ooh. Um, anything more serious that you want, <laughs> any direction we want to go? Now that to? we're done making fun of people. Normally, we don't get this goofy. Until twenty thirty minutes into the podcast, I don't I don't know how I don't know how we we probably talked too long before we turn on the microphone. That's probably what happened. Probably. We probably should have turned the microphone on, sat down, and then started talking. But instead, we started talking and then realized that we weren't recording anything, and then we turned on the microphone. And now we've we've talked everything through already. Yeah, so we've already passed all the logical discussion, and now we're just into goofiness. <laughs> And that's what you get, folks, here at uh, BadQuaker.com. Well, thanks for tuning in. It's the uh, quality <laughs> control programs that yeah. we've got here. One of the things that we were talking about, though, was, and I, and I don't really know how to present this in a logical fashion because I don't actually know the answer. I have a tendency to believe that there is an answer, and I have a tendency to think I might know what's causing this, but I don't have... Without the whole picture, it's hard to really tell. Uh, what I'm referring to is that there was a, a 15-year-old girl in Ohio who was an uh, Amish girl who was riding home in her buggy from a, um, a Christmas party that was at the produce shop that she works at. And she was riding home in her buggy, and someone murdered her. Someone shot her through the head mm -hmm. as she was just riding down the, down the road in her buggy, and they murdered her. And there doesn't seem to be any connection, any motive. It just appears in everywhere, in every way, to be just a random murdering of a 15-year-old Amish girl for no particular reason. There was no other trauma involved. There was no, you know, there was no robbery. There was no indication that anything like that. It just appears as though someone randomly just murdered an Amish girl. Right. Um, unfortunately, you know, when th something like this happens, people try to justify it. And one of the, one of the, in one of the reports that's going around, the person's saying, well, maybe it was a stray bullet from a hunter. And that is not at all a logical way to allow one's mind to flow. Mm -hmm. First off, um, like I mentioned when Kai and I were talking about this earlier, um, I, I've been shot uh, I ha I'm, I'm not going to go into a lot of the boring details, but twice I've actually been hit by bullets where people wanted to kill me and they failed. Mm -hmm. Twice I've been shot. Um, three times I was shot at, including the two that I was actually hit, mm -hmm. where somebody's trying to shoot me and kill me. And if I go through the whole story, five times... You know, the situation has come up that someone has aimed a gun at me with a, with aggressive intent. Four times they pulled the trigger. Three times the gun actually fired. Twice I was hit. Um, and I'm still alive. And the reason why is because it's not that easy to kill a human right. being with a gun. If you'll remember, there was um, a case several years ago where a lawyer was oh, yeah, shot yeah. point blank. Like... Yeah. I don't know how 15, many 18 times. 15, 18 times. Yeah. It's a crazy amount of times. And it was all caught on video, and the lawyer's like, stop <laughs> shooting me! Stop <laughs> shooting me! 
Yeah, that was in L.A., if I recall. I think so. Yeah, some some crazed guy was angry about his lawyer, about his attorney services and attorney fees and so forth, and so he nailed the guy in front of the in front of the courthouse. And the guy lived. Yeah, he shot him all those times, and he lived because it's it's harder than you think to kill a human being. Yeah, it really is. Uh, if you consider how big a bullet is, even a big bullet. A big bullet, we're talking like a forty-five caliber, mm-hmm. is a little less than a half an inch across. But if you look at, at, if you could peel away the skin of a person and see a cutaway of them, there's a lot of places you can put a half inch hole right through a person and not kill them. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to hit one of several uh, key organs, and you have to hit them perfectly correctly mm-hmm. in order to kill a person. And to have a, a clean headshot, a single one clean headshot that kills a person um that's not an easy task right ask a sniper ask ask a hunter hunter. yes you know Um, uh, how how often does a hunter shoot a deer or an elk or a bear or whatever the animal is that he's shooting and then he has to go and follow the trail of blood until the animal dies mm -hmm. because a clean kill with one shot is extremely difficult and for that reason most hunters don't shoot at the animal's head I don't think most non-hunters realize this. Most of the time when you're wanting to kill an animal and you're hunting, you want a lung shot mm-hmm. or you want to try to get a, a, a heart shot if you can. But in trying to get a heart shot, you're, you'll accept a lung shot. Uh, sometimes if you can clip a spine, that's pretty handy too because then it doesn't run away. Right. But, um, but that's the prime shot is to try to hit the heart and hit through the lungs at the same time because then you... Uh, you you make it very difficult for the animal to breathe and run. Right. So this is what an animal. This is what a hunter shoots at. He doesn't shoot at an animal's head. That's you know. That's a waste of bullets. Yeah, because it's really difficult to shoot an animal, a mammal, in the head and kill it with one clean shot. It's a really small target. Yeah, and besides that, you know, there are, you hear this every now and then. Somebody shows up at the at an emergency room with fourteen nails in their head right. because they were going nuts and they shot themselves in the in the that's, head with a with a nail gun fourteen times or that's something. That's kind like of that. the interesting thing about especially the human brain is mm-hmm. we only have a couple of key spots in the brain that are vital. Yeah, that you know, are absolutely the bits necessary. That make you breathe and the bits that make you have your heart beat and mm-hmm. the rest of it um, controls things like fine motor skills and and desire for donuts and bacon. Right. The yeah. donut and bacon is, uh, that's a really <laughs> big section in your brain. Um, but, you know, you can take out, this is why a stroke victim mm-hmm, yeah. can kill half of their brain mm-hmm. and still function yeah. and still regain most of their... Yeah, slowly they teach other parts of their brain to, to yeah. Yeah. So I'm not buying for a second that it was an accidental, an accidental discharge, or an or a hunting accident, or somebody was like the one guy in the one of the news things. Says, it's not even hunting season. Well, I don't, I'm not sure what the seasons are in that part of Ohio, but I'm not buying it. I'm not yeah. buying that a hunter accidentally shot a perfect shot into the driving area of a enclosed buggy because this is winter right. and the buggies are enclosed if if you're not familiar with Amish buggies you know they're not uh, it's not like like a, a is it a surrey is that what the open 
I don't know my buggy I names. I don't I'm, know my... I, I'm not up I, to date with buggies. I apologize. <laughs> if we have any uh, Mennonite listeners that can... They can express my apology to our <laughs> Amish friends that I don't. That I'm not up on the buggy styles, but um, but these are not open open cockpit. If it was an airplane, <laughs> we would refer to it as being an, or a car. We would refer to it as open cockpit. Uh, they don't have. They don't ride those around in the dead of winter at night. It's not a convertible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's an in, in, enclosed space. And uh, it would take a lot of effort to get a clean one-shot, one-kill headshot of a person in a buggy. That's a very brutal thing that took place. It is not... Not to mention, um, it's relatively odd to find an Amish person driving their buggy after dark. And by themselves. Yeah. Uh, Now... The reason I brought that up is not because it's it is a horrible tragic thing that happened to this to the Yoder family that this uh, this girl's family her mother was killed um, in a uh, auto related accident like a year ago so this is you know two tragedies a year apart in the same family is terrible but the reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm seeing a trend of hate uh, or at least. Um, distrust of some kind toward the Amish. It's it's increasing year by year. And I don't think it's just the Amish. I think it's a general hatred of anybody who's not who mainstream. Not, yeah. Anybody who's different. Anybody who's not. Because you can not... see this. The same exact thing is taking place with the Occupy. Fill yeah. in the blank movement. Yeah, a lot of people on the right wing just hate those people. And a An lot of illogical level of hate. In the movement are in mm-hmm. the movement because they hate yeah. these, you know... The banksters or whatever. The rich people. Yeah, yeah, it's hatred against the rich. And and you're seeing that, well, like with back with the Amish, there have been these uh, situations where people have run up and grabbed an Amish man in public and cut off his beard in public. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, that's just a cruel act of savagery. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing, no other way you could look at that other than just an act of pure savagery. And then we see, you know, as the as the milk Nazis are, are from the government are attacking the Amish farmers for their raw milk and their raw cheese and so forth, and the general public is like, yeah, well... What are those stupid Amish doing eating raw cheese anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the attitude that's coming out of a good portion of the general public because yep. they, they view the Amish as, well, who knows what they're doing over there? They're weird. They're different. They're not us. They're not mainstream. They're not, you know. This is the same mentality when you talk to people about uh, the incidents that took place at Ruby Ridge and Waco. Yeah. It's that same, well, they deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, they do not deserve it. They do not deserve to be brutally murdered. Well, what were all those weirdos doing down there in that cult anyway? Oh, could you not buy the government's line just a little, you know, just a little bit of skepticism, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we're not asking for conspiracy theories. We're not, yeah. you know, we're not saying that there's some grand plot to exterminate the Amish because... Yeah, no. I don't. Th- I just think that there is a general overall leaning towards mm. um, more hate, more hate for anybody who's not mainstream. And this is not an unknown quantity. I mean, this happens 
every single time a totalitarian government is yeah. born. Yeah, uh, yeah, because you have to start separating out all the the people who are different mm-hmm. from that are not exactly dressing the way. And there has the only way the government gets more power, or mm-hmm. I, I should say, the state. The, the state. The only way that a state gets more power is to. Uh, have emergencies, yeah, and to rush in to protect people. Mm-hmm. The ratcheting effect. Yeah, I mean, this yep. is this is what happens in every single, every single time mm-hmm. the state crops up. Is this is what it eventually does? Mm-hmm. You have these crises that have to have, you know, first off that the state created to begin with, mm-hmm. and then the state presents an answer to the crisis, and the answer is always more state. Mm-hmm. And so with more state, it doesn't actually solve the crisis. It just uh, increases the, 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 you know, the, the need to have more state. Mm-hmm. And with each crisis that's created by the state, the state presents itself as the solution with more state. Yeah. I don't understand why people don't see that this is illogical. That, that this is wrong, you know? I, I bring it up so often, but, mm. you know, show me one instance of the state where it doesn't do this. Yeah. Show me one single instance where the state mm-hmm. does not become evil and corrupt and finally reach its end and fall. Well, I think it's a proper time for us to whip out the... Uh, our, our, our Walter Block straw man and begin to beat the Walter Block straw man. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Bring out the block. Um, you know, you could sell that. A Walter Block straw man? Isn't that, you know, I need to Photoshop a Walter Block straw man. Wouldn't that be great? Or a, you, I know how to, I know how to make corn husk dolls. <laughs> So you just you just make them with with interchangeable faces, mm-hmm. so you can just put you on can, a new face. You could do this. This is going to sound in support of Ron Paul, but you could do this with a Ron Paul straw man too. Mm-hmm. You know, for the left and for the hard right, for all the GOP you know Republicans that that are scared, senseless of this evil Ron Paul that's going to come and take away your party. Um, <laughs> Just GOP, if you're worried about Ron Paul taking your party, just start singing to yourself, it's my party. Go, just go ahead and, you know, <laughs> Ron Paul will not hurt you. But anyway, but we, we could have a, like a Ron Paul straw man, and he could be holding a little sign, and you could have interchangeable <laughs> phrases on the sign. Make it magnetic? Yeah, yeah. And with little, you know, false phrases, things that, you know, Ron Paul's pro-life, and then whip it off and change it. Ron Paul's pro-choice, and and you could just change it like that. Ron Paul's <laughs> a racist, then you could change it. Ron Paul wants weak borders, and then you could change it. Ron Paul wants to move the military to the borders, and you know so that you can just put anything you want up there, so that you can attack your Ron Paul straw man. Wouldn't that be great? Bill O'Reilly would have to have one of these. He could put it on his desk right next to him and and just keep hitting it on a regular basis. And then John Stewart could, like, you know, do a film of him pointing at it. You can't see me. I'm imitating hand motions of John Stewart right now. How John Stewart likes to point at the little imaginary window where they're showing the film next to his head. Um, We got to do that. We got. We could market this thing, you know, and make a fortune in the next few months. The Ron Paul straw man have a little stick you could hit him with. Oh, that's 
funny. Um, oh, boy. Where are we going with all of that? Oh, uh, I was going to attack Walter Block. We were attacking Walter Block. That's yeah. right. Um, about something. What were, what was I going to um, attack Walter Block about? The state and how the state always fails. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Walter Block has, for years, portrayed himself as a uh, anarcho-capitalist. And he has, uh, first off, he's a really funny guy. If you listen to his speeches and his, his uh, lectures. This is the part where we uh, uh, give a compliment. Yeah, to the guy then... we're getting ready to beat. <laughs> um, but he, he really is funny. He has a great sense of humor. And uh, when, he, when he does stuff, he talks about anarcho-capitalism, and he talks about uh, anarchy as a solution to different things, and he talks about property rights, and it's all really, really good. Um, but then he comes out and he attacks a libertarian because they don't support Ron Paul, and he says, well, you can't be a real libertarian unless you support Ron Paul. The problem is, supporting Ron Paul, by its very definition, is not anar- anarcho-capitalism. Right. Now, you can be, my argument is, you can be libertarian and like Ron Paul, and you can be libertarian and not like Ron Paul. Right. Um, some people, like the folks at Reason Magazine, tend to beat up Ron Paul because they don't like his immigration uh, uh, tendencies, his, right. his, uh, his desire to, in Ron Paul's words, to secure the border uh, by putting a bunch of military down there. Reason doesn't like that too much, and right. there's a couple other policies that of Ron Paul's that Reason is not real happy with. So, so the Cato libertarians and the Reason libertarians and that whole camp of libertarians uh, are not real big on supporting Ron Paul. I think it's a little pettier than that. I don't think it's the couple of policies. I think it's a hold back to their hatred of uh, of Rothbard. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Reason and the Cato people. Uh, all of the uh, coke addicts, we might call them. <laughs> because if you're if you're unfamiliar with the with the Coke family, and that's not spelled C O K E, that's uh, K O C H. Is that yeah. how you spell it? Because um, when you look at it, you th- you think it it's going to be pronounced Koch. Yeah, but it's actually pronounced Coke, and they are an oil family. And they have put a lot of money into supporting libertarian causes over the years, but. Um, they only support uh, a special kind of libertarians. <laughs> we have a cat attack going on, folks. All of our regular risk listeners know Baggy the cat. And right now, she's about a half an inch away from the microphone, deciding why it is that she's not having her face rubbed at this particular moment. So if you, if you hear some interference with the mic, that's Baggy the cat. And now she's her fascination has gone, and... Something else caught her mind, and off she goes. Anyway, <laughs> back to the mad ramblings. So the Koch family supports one flavor of libertarianism, and that is the kind that hates Rothbard. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, Ron Paul is um, was a personal friend of Rothbard when, when he was still alive, and the Rothbard-Mises-type libertarians are on one side of the wall, and the... Uh, Koch family and the and the um, Cato Institute and Reason Magazine and uh, Hayek, mm-hmm. uh, all those libertarians are on the other side of the wall. And my point is, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> but but Walter Block 
uh, has chosen to decide that all of those libertarians who don't support Ron Paul are not libertarians. Uh, so evidently now, uh, Walter Block, you have to have your Walter Block stamp on your libertarian card, otherwise you're not a good libertarian. Right, oh, you're not sh- a good party member. Yeah, and I should mention, you said party, because that's part of it too. The libertarian party tends to be on that Cato... Um, well, that's where the money is. Uh, yeah, that's where the coke <laughs> money is. Bunch of coke addicts. <laughs> but let me make this clear. If the Koch brothers want to give me money, we can talk. Because <laughs> I like money. Do you like money? I like money. That's so cool. I like money, too. Wait, water? Like, from the toilet? <laughs> oh, coke money has what bad Quakers... <laughs> Craig... <laughs> Um, (laughs) if somebody's just coming on the radio and they haven't heard the whole first half of this, they're like, Quakers take Coke? (laughs) That's right, folks. Quakers take Coke. Don't you forget it. It's in your cookies. Um. (laughs) Well, (laughs) grains do kind of act like an opiate in your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we could go off on the grain and the state uh, and, the, and slavery. And, not again. Anyway, so let's go back to beating up Walter Block. Walter Block, if we accept Walter Block's argument about libertarianism, then, then we say, okay, so Walter Block decides who gets to be libertarian and who doesn't get to li- be a libertarian. Under that same uh, level of judging one another then we have to question Walter Block's credentials as an anarcho-capitalist. Right. Because Walter Block said... you know, we here at BadQuaker.com, we get to decide who's an anarcho-capitalist. Yes, we... And if you write to us, we will send you <laughs> a stamped <laughs> version of your anarcho-capitalist card. <laughs> for nine ninety nine plus shipping and handling. Paid for by the Koch brothers. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, oh. Actual card not included. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will email you a PDF. Um, oh, where was I going? Oh, yeah. So, our, and our, I'm never going to make this point. I'm never, never, never going to make this point. So, um, um, so Walter Block it, uh, it has said, and in the article where he attacked Wendy McElroy, he actually said this. He said that. Uh, Ron Paul is our last great hope for liberty. Ron pa- now think about this. Ron Paul is our last great hope for liberty. Kai. <laughs> That's a little depressing. <laughs> what was it you were saying last week about the cult, the personality cult, the go- the, the god hero cult? What what were yeah. you saying about that? Well, you know, that's you you have to in order to further the state you have to have the state as a deity and the state has to have uh the, the head of state has to take on certain deity qualities yeah they have to be this half human half god sort of a kim jong kim jong il yeah uh stalin mao fdr hitler, hitler obama the right wing was this way about Bush. Oh yeah, and you can you can see it even today because there was some Bush hate around two thousand six to two thousand eight when when it was when people were seeing how bad he really was. 
But you go to those same Republicans that were abandoning him in 2006 and 2008, mm -hmm. and you say something anti-Bush now, and they will fire up. Oh, yeah. You say something anti-Bush, and they'll be like, where do you love Obama? I, no, 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 that's not what I said. Right. I said Bush did this. Well, you love Obama. No, I didn't say that. Yeah. I don't have any care for Obama whatsoever. And He's just another no tax feeder. No, he's no difference at all. They're all tax feeders. Oh, wait. They're tax feeders. What does that mean? That means they eat your taxes to survive. They live off of your labor to survive. Mm -hmm. Like a congressman mm -hmm. who for the last how many years has lived, I don't know, like uh, uh, Ron Paul's like, I, I can't remember, like 14 term congressman or something. I don't remember. It's a crazy amount. He's been in Congress since the 70s. That makes Ron Paul a tax eater. Mm -hmm. All you anarcho-capitalists, you know, I, I almost put this in a podcast yesterday, and then I decided to go a different direction because because uh, actually I was falling asleep when I was trying to... <laughs> and the truth comes out! If you hear me on a podcast saying just ridiculously goofy things and Kai is not here... <laughs> There's a possibility that I've fallen asleep and am talking in my, and am and am talking in my sleep. But I was good. I, there's a there's a Hans Hermann Hoppe uh, file that I was listening to yesterday when I was pre preparing the podcast for yesterday, and I I actually wanted to cut out his little section. That was this yesterday. It was yesterday. Yesterday's podcast for yesterday that I was recording yesterday. That you were preparing for yesterday. yesterday. Um, so I'm listening to this section where Hans Hermann Hoppe is speaking, and what he was saying in this section is that um, the state cannot exist in the same place where property rights are respected. Mm -hmm. The existence of the state negates the possibility of property rights. Mm -hmm. You can't, I'm, I'm saying the same thing over and over, <laughs> you can't have the state and the property rights. And and that's an interesting point because that goes right into the deification of the state. Because when you have this radical notion that all human beings mm -hmm. are equal mm -hmm. and therefore my property rights don't supersede your property rights. Even if there's two of you. Right. Even if there's five of you guys all together... You still only have the property rights of each of your individuals. Yeah. And and you have no authority to impose your will on other people. Mm -hmm. When you take that notion, that cannot allow a state to happen. And and what ha <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> what Hans Hermann Hoppe the the lecture that I was talking about is is based on his book and his lecture series called Democracy, the God that Failed. Mm -hmm. Because what he's talking about is exactly what you and I are talking about right here. And what he says in that is exactly what we're saying. Of course, it's Hans Hermann Hoppe. So he can't just say, you know, you can't have the state and property rights at the same time in the same place. Right. And what he does instead was he talks in that really cool accent of his <laughs> for like 40 minutes to say that because he says, he, he lays down every single concept in every possible way and he builds this structure so that when he gets done, 
you're looking, you're not looking, you're looking at, at something that's the intellectual equivalent of a pyramid. You can't shake it enough to make it fall because right. it, it's so self-supporting. And so, and, and that makes our jobs really easy because now we can say you can't have, well, you yeah, can't have, well, look at Hopper. Yeah, you, you know, you you can't have uh, the state with property rights and somebody else say, oh, well, that, that yeah. guy already proved it. Yeah. I don't have to prove it. Go read him. You, you just point at the books and say Hopper. But you know, that's the the classic libertarian fallacy that that uh, that we think. That everybody else has already read all the other forty-seven thousand books that we have sitting around us. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. But in order for you to switch from the mentality of you know uh, human beings are human beings and no one has the authority to um, force me to do anything, mm-hmm. you have to make the switch to say those human beings are higher than me. They are right. better than me. They are more whatever than I am. Right. You have to give them special rights as humans. And when you do that, that is putting them up as deities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and that's the same. And this is why I don't understand with somebody like Walter Block how he can be such a consistent anarchist for so many years... And then tell us that our last best hope is to elect a guy as president. Because it's a drug. This idea of looking towards someone mm-hmm. to be your savior mm-hmm. is a flaw in the human psyche. Now, let me take us off just for a second, because I don't want anybody to misunderstand. There are... Um, there are <clears throat> you see this most often among younger libertarians... I'm thinking specifically, I'll call her out by name, you know, uh, your sister. I didn't actually use her name, did I? (laughs) Um, She has uh, realized, she's come to this point of of realizing the whole mess that the government is in. It's it's all come home to her. You know, I've talked this stuff and Kai's talked this stuff for a long, long time. And she didn't really listen because her life didn't, you know, didn't really mm-hmm. involve these things. But in the last year, she really, her eyes really opened and she saw the corruption of the government and she saw the level of destruction that we're headed towards and she saw uh, all the mess that we're in and she heard Ron Paul speak and, and listened to what he has to say and she realizes that he's right on vast amounts of stuff and he's far more correct than anybody else on the national scene who's speaking. Mm -hmm. That's me saying that about Ron Paul. Mm -hmm. Ron Paul is more correct than anybody else that's on the national scene speaking. Right. And so as your sister saw this, she is becoming quite fanatically a supporter of Ron Paul. And I'm perfectly comfortable with that. If, if If a person understands that they are a libertarian, understands that they're a minarchist, or even considers themselves a conservative, because Ron Paul calls himself a conservative. Right. If you believe that, if, if that's where your mind is at, good for you. I wish I could be comfortable believing right. in, in that. I wish I, could, I wish I could step back into the matrix and just plug myself back in and just be happy being a battery for the system. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm honestly saying... 
There are many, many times that I wish I didn't know, and I wish I could just take that part out of my brain mm -hmm. and not know what I know. And then I could be a happy monarchist, and I could be supporting Ron Paul like I did so many times before. Right. Because, I, you know, like I say all the time, it's, I was voting for Ron Paul before most of these people were born. It's good to be part of a team. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, you know, <laughs> people, uh, people don't go play community softball because softball's a riveting, enjoyable <laughs> game. They don't. They play it because they get to dress up in their uniform and they get to go with their team and they get to play. And make noise. And they get to hang out. They get mm -hmm. to go eat pizza afterwards. And mm -hmm. that's why these people, that's why humans play sports. Yeah. It's why we do it. It's why we make community gardens. Mm -hmm. It's why we go to the movie theater with a large group of people. I like going by myself. <laughs> I don't like going with other people because... I don't like going to the movie theater. <laughs> and I don't like playing group sports. I don't like playing group sports either. <laughs> I'd rather really play a game of chess. I like solitaire. <laughs> I'm a fan of solitaire. Did I mention free cell? Have I mentioned free cell? <laughs> you have mentioned free Did cell. I mention that I regularly just beat every single game of free cell? <laughs> Did I mention that I've played like three, four thousand you know, games in a row and won every one of them? We sit here and we record and we put them out on the internet. Yeah. You but, know? But I don't speak in public. Yeah. I, I can't and wouldn't. Uh, I, went to a, I went to a thing. Um, hmm. How do I say this in a way that both reveals the truth and doesn't make me sound crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I was at an event... Um, where myself and uh, other moderators and administrators from a specific, very popular website were off in the mountains of Tennessee at a remote cabin where we just were perfectly normal and there was nothing <laughs> at all strange going on. And yes, there were guns, but everything was perfectly normal. It's Tennessee. Come on. You have to have a gun in Tennessee. They issue them at the border. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're coming from the border from Kentucky, then they stop you and disarm you because they don't want them Kentuckians invading. Um, <laughs> right now, we've got people in Tennessee going, "What?" <laughs> um, anyway, people go in Kentucky going, "Wait, I can't bring my gun into Tennessee." <laughs> yeah, but my cousin lives. Um, anyway, back to my topic. So, can so, I bring my whiskey? <laughs> it's according to what you charge. Um, well, you know, they don't, they have bourbon in Kentucky. They have whiskey in Tennessee. Right. So there's a real difference there. And if you're in Kentucky and you're drinking bourbon, then that's okay. But that stuff they make in Tennessee is not bourbon. I don't <laughs> care if they stick a, a government sticker on it that says bourbon. There's some stuff they make in Virginia. Are you sitting down? Virginia, that they call bourbon because the government stuck a sticker on it. That's not bourbon. But bourbon only comes from bourbon. Bourbon. It's bourbon because of the region it comes from. It's like it's like uh, well, it's like calling champagne. Yeah, it's just champagne. Sparkling or, wine from California is not champagne. Or um, 
Parmesan cheese. Yeah, these are regional diet region. It's it's called that because of the region, not because of a particular flavor. But anyway, ah, don't get me on a bourbon rant. I will go on a bourbon rant. <laughs> watch out, folks! <laughs> the the Crown Royal people are watching him. They're yeah. on watch. I actually, yeah. I, oh well. Anyway, back to my other topic. <laughs> so I we were at the cat cabin, and there was a group of us, and even though um, I felt comfortable with the people because they're good friends and and I really felt good being with those people Mm -hmm. I felt more comfortable when I left there and went back to my own motorhome and felt safe in my little (laughs) motorhome blocked away you know Um, and when I was with the group of people when there were 20 present I had a real hard hard time speaking Uh, I just would rather sit and listen to everybody else talk but then as the night progressed and less people and less people were at the campfire and we got down to two or three people, bang, I'm in my zone. Right. And so in two two or three people, I'm doing great. We get down to one-on-one, two people together just discussing. I do great, just like right now. Um, give me a microphone by myself, even, and I do better than if there's a third person in the room. Right. You get three, four people in the room, and I just clam up. Right. Uh, and it's not... It's it's not that I'm I don't know if you can do you call that shy I don't know if it's shy I don't know. or bashful I don't think it's those things I think it's just yeah probably <laughs> more that yeah because you know even if it's family or something I just once there gets to be three or four people I just back off and say, I'm done I'm mm-hmm. not going to talk I'm not going to throw out how can I throw out any kind of serious opinion mm-hmm. of anything when there's eighteen people in the room. And the thought will never even fully materialize. Right. So, so I don't speak. <laughs> <laughs> Which was great back in the olden days when I used to be a doper, like back in the 70s. Because I could just put my sunglasses on and lean back against a tree and everybody thought I was cool. No, I wasn't cool. I just didn't like any of you people. <laughs> We're trying to make here. Do we have a point? Yes. I think sometime far back in the reaches of history (laughs) is for some humans, it is very ingrained that this idea of social, uh, being social is very important. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to get swept up Mm -hmm. in a movement or a... Support the team. Yeah. That mentality. Mm-hmm. and um, Our tribe's the best tribe. And that's both really useful for humans mm-hmm. and really not so useful for humans. It's, it's very useful for humans. On the other hand, parasites take advantage of things like that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's take something else that is a parasite. Um, um, animals like to get near water and drink. Right. Mammals like to drink water. So, therefore, you have a parasite that has a tendency, many parasites have a tendency to live and develop in water and hang around water. Uh, Why is that? Because the water is where a host is most likely to come Mm -hmm. and either drink the water where they drink the parasite or fly around, buzz around, and, and sting and, you know, bite the, the, the host and get some blood from it. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, the water is a good place for a parasite to hang out because that's where the mammals come to. Right. 
Um, so in the same sense, humans like to congregate. Humans like to form teams and clans and villages and all those things. And the parasite likes to go there and right. take advantage of that. Right. And, 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 you know, we're... As much as there's this movement to be, you know, homestead and self-reliant and off the grid and taking care of ourselves, and you can't. It's impossible. You cannot be completely self-reliant. Right. You can't. You, uh, it's the division of labor is right. what the economists refer to And, as. you know, we were talking about this in regards to a garden. Oh, do that. Yes. <laughs> do the garden thing. <laughs> that's a great point. That's that's It's great for us to break away from everything that we were just talking about and completely leave the point dangling so that we can, talk, can now talk about this point. <laughs> but this one's more important. Wait, let me recap. So... If you like Ron Paul, vote for Ron Paul. Support Ron Paul. Good for you. If you're an anarchist, what are you doing supporting Ron Paul? Yeah. Okay, now, go ahead. Garden. <laughs> and also, if you're an anarchist, send us a self-addressed stamp envelope with $9.99, and we'll send you a dadquaker.com approved anarchy card. In PDF form. In PDF form. <laughs> no, card in PDF form not included. <laughs> Val- oh. Valid were tolerated by law. So no, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Invalid, invalid no, were were legal. Because um, <laughs> the state can't tell us what to do. Invalid in all fifty states, and only uh, only valid on continents which are not Africa, uh, Asia, <laughs> Europe, North, North or South America, or Australia. <laughs> so we got the penguins. Um, um, uh, oh, garden. So, oh, let me say this before we say gardens, because we're gonna the garden will take us over the time limit. Um, hi to whoever it is in Poland that keeps downloading us. Oh, hi, Poland. Yeah, they somebody in Poland like downloaded all of our old stuff, and then they were gone for a while because probably they had a lot to listen to. Right. And now they've come back and they downloaded more. Oh, hi, Poland. So, hey, whoever that is in Poland, hi. You know, drop me an email, ben at badquaker.com. And even if it's in Polish, I'll figure out a way to translate it. So, you know. Okay. (laughs) Gardens are socialists. (laughs) That's right. Gardens are socialists. Now, now let me clarify. First off, um, I had mentioned in a previous podcast about when Wendy McElroy or Walter Block start telling us how to spend our money and who to donate to and things like that, but that's central planning. It doesn't work as well as an open free market where each player decides for themselves where to put their money. And somebody said, well, that's not that's not central planning because there's no force involved. Well, central planning doesn't require force. There are a lot of cults and there are a lot of monasteries and there are a lot of um, nunneries and there are a lot of places um, where it's true communism, mm-hmm. they function in a socialist fa- fashion with complete central planning, true communism, and it's all voluntary. Mm-hmm. And this is something, uh, you know, I, I regularly kick around the Venus Project people and the zeitgeist and all that stuff, and I say, it's not going to work. It's a fantasy. It's not going to work because it's all based on socialism. Right. However, I will acknowledge, did that last time, too. You would think I'd learn to turn the volume down on that. I will acknowledge that socialism can work under voluntarism 
in many ways it will work but the thing is there has to be a capitalist uh, market somewhere that feeds that thing because it's never going to be self-supportive right so you could have your little your little uh, Venus project down there in southern Florida where you know you got your little Disney village or whatever um, you could have that as long as there are capitalists out here in a free market feeding you people which is why a lot of times um, <clears throat> when you when you look at like monasteries mm-hmm. they will have you know they'll make rum or, yeah. well not rum some product whiskey or they'll yeah. make um, you know uh, gingerbread or they'll make did you hear that that was weird Lily heard it Nikki didn't hear it anyway we'll assume it didn't come through on the <laughs> microphone um, I think it was black helicopters. Probably. Anyway, yeah, they will make a product, candles maybe. Yeah. And they'll sell it out to the local community or they'll sell it out to someone because the, the their little commune is not self-supporting. Mm-hmm. There are communes in, in Israel right now that uh, that are very functional little communes and they make a lot of stuff and they're very close to being self-sufficient, but they still have to depend on the outside economy. Mm-hmm. If, if for no other reason to keep them... Well, never mind. Go ahead. Go back. We're we're completely diverted from your main point. So, um, gardens are uh, a great example of central planning because you have a person, a gardener, mm-hmm. or gardeners, but for simplicity we'll say a gardener, um, deciding I at harvest time I want this many tomatoes and I want this many zucchini and I want this many pumpkins and I, you know, what, this many green beans. And so they plant according to, you know, how much they expect each plant to produce over the lifespan. And, and, and they do all of this work to produce a garden that produces a specific amount of food. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't work. There right. are always gluts and shortages in a garden. And the garden process itself is gluts and shortages mm-hmm. because all the harvest comes at certain times. Mm-hmm. All the labor is at one certain time. Well, there's well, labor scattered through the year, but there's but there's uh, surges of labor that have to go. Right, because you plant all of your tomatoes at one point, so they're mm-hmm. all going to ripen at one point. And, mm-hmm. you know. and even if you attempt to stagger the garden... There are so many variables that you have no control over mm-hmm. that there are always going to be these surges, these gluts and shortages mm-hmm. throughout the whole year. And even if you say, well, you have a greenhouse and you can supplement in the winter with the greenhouse stuff, but you still have gluts and shortages mm-hmm. over the... But the, in the point being that every oh. single garden is, uh, is an example of central planning. Oh. And that's the dog barking. We have three dogs here at the Bad Quaker compound, and now the cat is back attacking the microphone again. So, so the garden, any garden, is a central planned, is a central planned community. Now, what's the what's not a central planned community? Well, when you when you look at a um, natural like a forest setting, mm-hmm. you have um, food that is available all year long, and you have symbiotic relationships between different plants and animals that perpetuate um, the the system the entire time. Like when you have a garden, um, the garden dies. Mm-hmm. You know, at at the end of uh, fall, it, it you're done, and right. you have to start all over again in spring 
and replant everything. Mm-hmm. But in a forest, it's perpetual. It's it's self-perpetuating. Yeah, there's always something for... If you hear the dogs howling, there's sirens somewhere in the background, and we're probably going to get the sirens on the, on the microphone, too. Let's just pause for a second. Uh, we just had... There will be a pause in the... In the I almost said tape. It's not a tape. <laughs> this is not 1972, and we don't have a tape recorder. But there will be a pause there where uh, we had some sirens and some activity. Evidently, the rescue uh, ambulance, rescue squad, police and everything are at a house across the street and down a little bit. So hopefully everything's okay there. Um, yeah, uh, so where we were. The garden is an example of central planning, mm-hmm. whereas a forest produces year-round on its own, and any gluts or surges are made up for within the free market of the forest itself, mm-hmm. of, the, of the different types of plants that have relationships with each other. And, and that's, that's interesting because you can see that in cycles of, um, like, this only works where there are uh, natural predators. Right. Um, but there is, let's say, good weather. Mm-hmm. And you get an abundance of crop for deer. Right. And then the there are next lots of deer. season, you get lots of deer. And then there are lots of wolves. And then there are lots of wolves. Mm-hmm. And it always balances that, mm-hmm. you know, natural influx. Um, and this kind of takes us to a type of gardening that is that works with nature more mm-hmm. than your standard type of gardening. So if you have something like permaculture where the the concept of permaculture is not to attack the earth and make it grow what you want it to grow. The concept of permaculture is to look at the land that you're hoping to grow food on and letting that land tell you what needs to grow there and then you just assist it in developing whatever type of food forest that that type of land can produce. Right. So, for example, if you if you go to YouTube and you just put in permaculture, you, there's some really good examples of this, where people have taken places in the desert that were absolute, no way they could grow any crops there, and they're growing very successfully, producing food in in, in desert conditions, right? Because they grasp this concept of producing of of putting things that work in harmony. Rather than just going out there and attacking the right. garden and Instead making it. Instead of saying, you know, I want lemons in mm-hmm. Saskatchewan. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, that's not going to work. Yeah. Well, we're humans. We can make it work. Sure, sure. You know, but... Or, or we'll crossbreed lemons until they survive. Right. But it's not, it, it's not the best, mm-hmm. you know... Naturally, lemons grow best where lemons are are in nature. Yeah. Um, So from a market point of view, if we look at that as a market point of view, the most productive piece of land is going to be that raw forest that fully functions on its own. Well, yeah, and and if if you look at a garden, you say, okay, the best kept garden Mm -hmm. can feed... A couple people. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're According looking at how big, only yeah. the garden, you know, if you're looking at a person being fed strictly from the garden, mm-hmm. um, you're looking at it takes you, you're an gonna acre. Need, yeah, you're going to need a big garden. If you're going to produce 100% of your 
uh, intake, mm-hmm. you're going to need a very large, diverse garden with a lot of work. Right. On the other hand... On the other hand, the same exact acreage of forest mm-hmm. can support... Let, let's Lots say Lots of animals. Yeah. Let's say you weigh, we'll just say, I don't know what normal people weigh. I'm like 250, so I don't know what regular people weigh. But take me, for example. So I weigh 250 pounds. For me to have enough garden space to grow enough to feed me, if I just let that become forest here right where we're at in Ohio, in the same weather, in the same environment, and everything is the same and nothing's changed. I just let that become a forest. Um, 250 pounds worth of mammals uh, can live comfortably in a much smaller forest. Mm-hmm. Not a 250-pound mammal, perhaps. But right. but we're talking about calorie intake per acreage or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the forest will feed far more calorie intake proportion than I can grow in that same amount of space. Right. Even though I'm a well-experienced gardener. And I'm patting myself on the back. I'm a good gardener. I can grow stuff. I got, it's the dead of, uh, it's the middle of the winter. (laughs) It's the middle of the winter. And I've got two healthy pepper plants and a turnip growing right now. Plus the broccoli outside. Have you seen the broccoli? Uh -uh. It's going nuts out there. Well, we've had a very mild winter. Yeah. Oh, now it's not my gardening capability. You'll get a glut of broccoli. (laughs) Weren't expecting that, were you? What do I do with 20 pounds of broccoli now? Yeah, eat it. (laughs) Oh, I think we're probably hitting... Uh, Well, no, actually, we're probably right about the right time frame on our podcast. Yay! So, we want to hit anything else before we take off? Um... Stay tuned later in the week. We are going to do the second part of our series on raising a uh, family using the non-aggressive principle. Now, you stated that as an absolute fact, and I have to object because as a Quaker, even though I'm a bad Quaker, as a Quaker... I cannot say with any certainty anything about the future. Okay. <laughs> We're going to try to publish. And as a matter of fact, as a Quaker, as often as possible, I like to say things as vague as possible so I can't be accused of lying. Generally speaking. <laughs> Generally speaking. Usually. Usually. Mostly. <laughs> so be sure and watch at, uh, watch uh, the website at badquaker.com or look for us on um, the Liberty Radio Network, and we're going to try to get uh, the second in the series of raising a peaceful family, raising a nonviolent family. Yes. We're on Facebook also, badquaker.com. Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you, I think you mentioned this before, if you want uh, to know what's going on on a quicker basis, you know, some ones of us is always on Facebook updating that with little snide remarks and, you know... <laughs> And you can bet I'm going to try to. I'm going to make. I'm going to make a. Uh, I'm going to Photoshop a Ron Paul straw man. I'm going to try to do that and try to get it on Facebook. I'm going to try. You hear me? I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So I leave myself an out. All right, folks. I think that's about it. Email me Ben at badquaker.com or Kai K I at badquaker.com. Thanks a lot for listening, and be sure and check with BadQuaker.com for more on liberty, the zero aggression principle, and property rights. Bye, folks. <laughs>